You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right. Thanks for listening to the 49ers Rush Podcast. Thanks for coming back for another episode. Man, it's a rough day to be a 49er. Uh, We've been here before, but man, that, that game against the Broncos was just an absolute beating. Now, the score and everything was pretty bad. The turnovers were pretty bad, but there are some great things. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go through and break down the defense, go through just kind of what we saw there, what that looked like, and go through all that stuff. Then we'll go through the offense, the goods and the bads, and what we need to be looking forward to. So let's start right off the bat. Our first team defense goes out there, and we give up a first down, but it's looking decent. It's looking really, really decent. You know, there were a lot of rumors. Um, Reuben Foster had a shoulder sprain on that same shoulder that was hurt and caused a little bit of an alarm. Just you weren't quite sure, but he goes out there with the starters. He was named starter for the regular season already. He went from third team to starter <laughs> in packages in one week. And it just kind of shows you the talent he has. He played over 20 snaps against the Broncos. So it kind of put me at ease a little bit. But they go out there, and they play really, really well on the first series, and they force a punt. Now, real quick, before we get to the punt, that just totally pissed me off. Um, Tart. Anyway, what happens is Lorenzo Jerome, our undrafted free safety, who we've been talking about a lot on the podcast, goes out there and balls out to start with the starters, with the first-team starters, and, man, he looked like he belonged. Uh, His stat sheet didn't put out a whole bunch, but he was around the ball. He almost had a pick 
Um, Paxton Lynch, the quarterback that started for the Broncos and consequently lost his job um, already just because of how bad he played, he misread a throw big time and put some air under it, and Jerome almost had a pick against the first team defense and and first team offense, and that would have been amazing. But anyway, Lorenzo Jerome played great, and so he's always around the ball. Again, stats weren't that great for him. He had a couple tackles, but I'm telling you, his presence was felt against the starters. So they punt, Denver does, and we're about to head our offense out there, and sure enough, Jaquiski Tart, who I absolutely love the way he plays, but that was a bonehead move. He was defending the gunner on the outside, and he just was not paying attention to where the ball was, and he was not listening to his punt returner. We had Jeremy Curley out there, which usually when we have Curley out there, that's a safe punt play, meaning we're not expecting a return. So we're already backed up against our end zone, so we're looking for a fair catch because Jeremy Curley is our kind of sure-handed guy. And you could see him. He's waving his hands clear. Fire, 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 fire. Telling everybody to get away. And Jaquiski Tart just did not listen. The ball bounces off the ground and bumps the side of his leg. And at first, even the announcers didn't notice it. No big deal. They go to commercial break. But then Vance Joseph, head coach for Denver, he challenges during commercial break. And sure enough, touched his leg. And it seemed like from that point forward, the snowball effect happened where one bad thing leads to another bad thing leads to another bad thing, and they just couldn't recover. And, and I think that this kind of shows us exactly what this 49ers team is, and, and that's very young, very inexperienced, and a lot of guys that aren't used to overcoming adversity in a positive way. Uh, inexperienced teams have a hard time overcoming turnovers. Now, here's the bad news. We had five turnovers. And how many did we force? Oh, you know, a big goose egg. I don't care who you are. If you give up five turnovers and force zero, you're going to get destroyed on the board. It's just what it is. So we have got to change this. Protecting the ball has to become a must. And we'll talk through a couple of the turnovers. But, man, it was it was rough. It was rough. But, anyway, let's stick to defense for now. So right after that, you know, they have field position. They're within the red zone already, and they're able to punch it into the end zone, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Now, Rashad Robinson, again, um, you know, I've been pretty big on his bandwagon, and I still do think that he is a quality corner in the NFL, but he's been talking a very loud game. I don't, I don't expect that to stop. He's going to keep talking, but he did not play well again. He missed a tackle um, on the very first third down of the game that gave him a first down against C.J. Anderson. And then he's guarding their number four wide receiver. I don't even know the guy's name. I don't even care about the guy's name. And he doesn't even play the ball. He gets beat so bad towards the end zone that he just wraps him up with his back to the quarterback on a route. An obvious pass interference call, and they get the ball on the one. Rashard Robinson cannot talk about shadowing every team's number one wide receiver when you're getting destroyed by the number four guy in a preseason game and not even trying to make a play on the ball. So we've got to see this gentleman step up. Rashard Robinson, man, I love you. And obviously he's still going to be a starter for us. But you don't get to talk about shadowing the elite wide receivers when you're getting toasted back-to-back games by backups. So... He's got to step up. And again, that missed tackle, like his MO is that he's an over-aggressive corner 
that is very physical. And so whenever he dives at the legs of a running back and doesn't even get a hand on him, like that's unacceptable. That's supposed to be his bread and butter, what separates him from other people. Not, I mean, he looked like Akilo Witherspoon. And again, Akilo Witherspoon, he didn't show up a lot on the stat sheet. But that guy is so scared to hit. This was the major critique of him coming out of Colorado. He's the corner we got in the third round. Very long, very fluid athlete, but he does not like contact. And you'll see him around the ball a lot of times, but he's so tentative to put his helmet down or his shoulder down to get involved. And so you'll see the tackle happen, and he'll walk up and like put his hand on the ball carrier. He's got to change this. I- I'm sure they are roasting that kid in film session. So hopefully we see a change there, but until he does, there is a 0% chance that he will be cracking the starting lineup. Because he's right now he's playing with the twos and the threes. And if he wants to have a shot moving up to fighting for the first team, he's got to change that. And with a third-round pick, you're expecting that guy to be competing for playing time with the starters. And he is just not there. So let's talk about somebody that did something positive. My boy, Eric Reed. That boy, he played absolutely incredible and dominated the game with his physical play. He had five solo tackles, and you felt every single one of his tackles. It really seems like he is shining in this new safety position, uh, the in the box safety position, and he is just playing so aggressive. I absolutely love it. If he stays healthy, I think we're going to be seeing very similar results as we did his rookie year whenever he was named to the Pro Bowl as a rookie safety out of LSU. So I really am excited to see what Eric Reed can do. A couple other bright spots, DJ Jones and PETA, my boy PETA. Um, both of them, you know, we picked them late, and they both shine. DJ Jones uh, transferred from community college to Ole Miss. Big old boy that plays nose tackle, defensive tackle. He played in incredibly well, and he was able to show his strength and he just looked unstoppable in the second half against the backups. He's fighting for a roster spot. He's not a lock. Him and Chris Jones and a couple other guys are battling it out, Quentin Dial. And if DJ Jones can continue to do what he's doing on early downs, we're not getting rid of that boy. Um, PETA as well got his very first sack. So proud of that kid. Um, everybody loves him some PETA. The story from Tonga and all that kind of stuff. But he's looking good. He's got a really good swim move. And if you were watching the game live, you'd see... He was standing on the sideline next to the coaches, and as soon as they subbed into a four-wide receiver set or a three-wide receiver set and a passing down, they sprint him out there for a play. He blitzes the quarterback and runs straight back off. It was almost like him and DJ Jones were switching plays. Uh, they're, they're basically going to make up one complete defensive player. So DJ Jones getting the early down work in the run game, and then they send in PETA for any kind of pass game or quick game. Now... Tank Carradine as well, very, very positive. He got a lot of pressures against the quarterback. Now, again, didn't show up in the stats, but if you watch the game, uh, the box score is not going to tell you much with Tank Carradine. But if you watch the game, he was a force, and this is positive. So back-to-back weeks, we have gotten production from past 49ers. Last week in week one, it was Aaron Lynch who dominated and actually got a couple sacks. Well, he got he was kind of injured, so he sat out this week. And Tank Carradine picked up right where he left off. Very productive, highly rated player, and, and just looked awesome. So very happy to finally see something from Tank. We'll see if he can be consistent with that. Now, that's, that's about all the good that we got out of us defensively. Here's the bad thing. 
the rush defense was destroyed the entire game, which we've seen way too much in 2016. Last year, the 49ers gave up more rush yards than any defense has in over a decade. And we were hoping that this new defensive scheme and some new talent would help shore this up. And we have not seen evidence of this yet in the first two preseason games. Now, I know it's preseason games, but whenever you allow a team to rush for over four yards a carry as an average, there's a problem. Um, We gave up rushes of 10, 12, 12, and 20. That is four huge rush uh, things in preseason. That's just not, you don't want to see that. It's unacceptable. So we've got to make some major, major changes here. Now, one thing that I can say is Jimmy Ward is coming back this week off the pup. Um, And I am so excited. He is a guy that we need out there getting reps because he's playing a brand new position. He's going to be moving to that single high safety role. And I think we've seen enough from Lorenzo Jerome to say this guy needs to get um, a spot on the roster. I know some people are saying, man, you're not mentioning any of the positives that <laughs> from Jaquiski Tart, who had a lot of great plays. He had a sack. He played great. But I'm telling you right now, if you're playing backup safety and you do that bonehead move on that punt return, I don't want you on my active roster. Now, I know they're not going to quit. Um, they're not going to release Tart. He's, he's going to be a lock to make the roster. He's probably going to back up both safety spots. I'm telling you right now, if if he doesn't get that fixed or we see something else like that, I don't want him. I love Tart. I love the way he plays, but you cannot. You will cost your team. We've seen what happens as 49ers fans with punt return miscues in the national in the NFC Championship game, and I have zero tolerance for that, especially as a former coach. You know, you're coaching high school kids, and that happens. It's inexcusable. Let alone an NFL guy of that caliber that went in the second round. All right, let's jump over to offense. Now, here's what's crazy with offense. You know, we come off last week with the running backs, and we were expecting Matt Breida and Joe Williams show again because they both look so promising. Well, Breida didn't even get a snap, and Joe Williams got four. So <laughs> we didn't get to see those guys. We saw a little bit of the older guy step in. Hyde got his touches, obviously. But then we went with Hightower and Bibbs. Now, oh man, it, our running game was absolutely dreadful. Whereas Denver was able to run all over us, we struggled mightily. We put up a 2.1 yards per carry as a team, and nobody had success. Nobody had any success whatsoever against this Denver defense, whether it was backup, starters, didn't matter. Uh, Hyde had the best showing, but still very, very pedestrian numbers, uh, very well below Hyde's average. So Hightower comes in and played god-awful. He looked super slow, and then Bibbs comes in, and he looked even slower and even more out of key. Missed a couple key blocks and just looked really, really bad. Now Kyle Shanahan comes out, and he says, you know, the whole plan was to get these veterans some work this week. We got the rookies in last week and we wanted to see what they could do. I'm telling you right now, I am switching my prediction. I really thought Hightower was going to be that uh, backup running back. I think Hightower and Bibbs are both on the roster bubble right now. I, I could honestly see them keeping Hyde, Joe Williams, and Brita as our three running backs with Juice, of course. Juice is staying. That boy, whew. Here, Here's the bright spot. They throw a little pass out into the flats 
to Kyle Juszczyk, and he makes a guy miss, like, <laughs> shoot him straight out of his shoes, and then runs over a defensive back, and then steps out of bounds like he owns the place with a giant smile on his face. And he didn't even have to do it. It was funny. They even interviewed him during the game. And he's like, oh, you know, sometimes you got to show him what you could do. Just so chill. This guy is going to have such an impact on our offense that, man, it's going to make a big difference. He's going to be a first down machine for us. And I think the more and more that he keeps showing what he can do, I think his reception and his third down status on offense, if we do get rid of Hightower, I think Juszczyk's going to be our third down back. I really do on a lot of passing sets. Now, our offensive line, as I said, it seems like it's kind of cementing itself where we have our five starters. But I'm telling you this right now. We have not produced a solid run game with our first team offense in two games at all. That's got to change. They are not run blocking well. And if we know anything from Shanahan's offenses everywhere he's gone – the run game has produced great, great returns. So this got to tell us. I, mean, I think one of our major weaknesses is that interior offensive line. Trent Brown's doing great. Um, Staley's probably the greatest offensive lineman in 49ers history. But the two guards in the center, we've got to see a huge increase. Now, the one thing that they did do, and I'll give them credit here, zero sacks given up. <laughs> I don't. I don't think... We've been able to say that in a very long time as a 49er fan. So that's wonderful, but you can't just have an all-out blocking scheme that does not produce in the run game. So that's something we got to show up. Now, quarterback play was good. It was actually pretty good. Uh, Hoyer comes in. He goes 8 for 11. Now, he had the one interception, but I'm not going to put that on him. He throws a crossing route, basically a drag route to Marquise Goodwin going over the middle. And he catches the ball, but as he catches it, he turns into the defender, and the defender just rips the ball straight out of his hands. It was one of those simultaneous possession things, but because the way that they rolled on the ground, only one person was coming up with the ball, and unfortunately for us, it was the Denver guy. And that stopped another, you know, we had back-to-back first downs, and it looked like it was going to, it was building, momentum was building. That's what happened this whole game. We'd make one or two first downs, things are going, things are going, turnover. Oh, crap. Our defense is in a hole. They got to go out in a sudden change situation. They don't answer the call. We get the ball back, build some momentum, and another turnover. And it just five turnovers in a game, you're going to lose. I would be willing to say that if you look up the history of teams that caused or that gave up five turnovers, I bet they're pretty much defeated. There might be a couple outliers in there, but the 49ers are not a complete team that can overcome that yet. Now, Hoyer did have the huge goof play where he's. Steps back to throw the ball, and just the ball just slipped out of his hand in a fumble. Um, I've never seen him do that before, but that's you just got to kind of throw that out there. I don't know. I mean, how many times is that going to happen? It was very embarrassing for him. He was pissed off on the sidelines. You can see it, and you want him to be pissed off after that. But overall, pretty good game. And I think Hoyer's kind of – his strength is his accuracy between the numbers. He can throw the out ball, he can throw the deep ball, but he can throw those in-breaking routes as accurate as anybody in the NFL, and and I believe that. And so I really think on third down, he's going to be able to convert. We just got to fix some of these knucklehead plays. Now, the man of the day is probably C.J. Bethard. He was moved up from the number three quarterback past (laughs) Barkley, 
and he's the number two spot, and he did everything he could to make sure he keeps that. He's so chill, and he a couple of the plays that he made, he got drilled. But the thing, and if you go back and watch his film at Iowa, C.J. Bethard does not, he, he, he just does not flinch in the moment of pressure. And I think if he keeps this number two spot, which it looks like is going to happen, we're cutting Barkley. And if we cut Barkley, that gives us a much-needed roster spot somewhere else, uh, whether that's a pass rusher, an extra running back, or extra free safety. Uh, we need that spot, or possibly uh, it could go to Victor Bolden Jr., our wide receiver who's really kind of a return specialist. He hasn't done much in games as far as at wide receiver. He's shined, He's done amazing things during practice and training camp, but we haven't seen that translate too much as a receiver um, in the games, but he had an absolutely beautiful kickoff return. And the funny thing is, he looks like the fastest person that's ever lived. I, I went back and looked up some film um, back at Oregon State, and he ran a 4.5440. And he's not that fast. You're talking like clock speed. But whenever he is going, oh my goodness, nobody can catch him. It was an absolutely great kickoff return for a touchdown. One of the lone bright spots. Um, that and probably the pass from CJ to Kittle, where Kittle just totally owned the guy, ran him over, steamrolled him, stepped over his face, and then just runs into the end zone. I mean, it was so wonderful. And hopefully it's a thing that 49ers fans can get used to seeing. But overall, pretty rough night. And I can tell you this, good old Vance McDonald, uh, the tight end that just pisses me off, all the talent in the world, exactly what you want out of a tight end, great effort. He just can't catch the ball well. He had two balls go off of his hands again, which we have seen time and time and time again. One of them would have been a spectacular catch, but it still hit him in the hands. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm old school. If the ball hits you in the hands, you catch the ball. That's period. And we've seen him drop the ball so much. I really think Kittle, as training camp and preseason have progressed, he's gotten more and more snaps with the first team. And that is on a constant incline. And if that continues, I'm telling you right now, Vance McDonald might be shown the door. Just because he's not reliable, is he as talented as Kittle? Yeah, maybe more so. But the problem is, if you cannot depend on a tight end, especially catch the ball on third down, you it, it makes the entire roster shaky. The entire game plan shaky. Because now you're saying, well, do we want to run this? Well, that's Vance. Do we want to throw it to Vance on third and three? I don't. Personally, I don't. I know that we've tried to trade him, but I'm telling you right now, that is not a position I would much rather gamble with somebody like Cole Hicatini, the undrafted free agent, um, and see what we can do with him out of Louisville. Um, that's just me. Keep Selleck as a blocker. You've got Kittle as your starter, and you can throw in Hicatini if you're, if you're wanting to do um, goal line work because he's such a tall target. But anyway, that's my breakdown of Game 2. It was a pretty sad day. Very frustrating day. I needed a full day to kind of recoup. So I made my notes yesterday, but I just I felt way too negative. So I had to take a break. I feel a little bit better about it now. There's a lot of things that we can build on. Now next week, we are playing against at Minnesota. And this is going to be a traditional kind of game week because we play Sunday and kickoff is at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So this is very similar to what it's going to feel like in the regular season. And Kyle Shanahan, he already came out and said, we're treating this. As a dress rehearsal, this is an actual game week where we'll have our Monday day off. We'll go through everything. 
walkthroughs, and all that. So it's going to be a much lighter practice because technically training camp just ended and we are not in training camp anymore. So this is technically when, when you go to practice and the definition and times and all that kind of stuff that you have to practice, we are now in almost – it's preseason, but it's season mode because the requirements are very, very similar as far as how much hitting, time and contact, time on the field, and all that type of stuff. So um, hopefully this will start to create a routine. That will help things. And if Jimmy Ward comes back and he's healthy, I think our defense is going to take a major step up. But that's what we got today. So enjoy the week. And I will. you will hear back from me right after the Minnesota game. And stay strong, faithful. Peace out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.